Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you so, so much for listening. I have three parts for you on today's episode, which is brought to you by Betstamp, the world's first verified buy-sell marketplace for sports betting picks. In part one, I'll review our nil-nil draw against Fiorentina on Sunday. In part two, I'll review our Primavera match against Cesena on Friday. And in part three, I'll preview our first midweek fixture of the season, which is against Lecce on Wednesday. So let's begin with the match against Fiorentina, which finished nil-nil at the Stadio Artemio Franchi. I thought this was an entertaining match despite the lack of goals. It was a tactical battle that was fought predominantly in the midfield and in effect the two managers cancelled each other out. Neither side had many quality opportunities to score. Chucky Lozano squandered a huge chance to put Napoli ahead while Ricardo Sotil led all players with four shots on target but none were terribly difficult to save. Alex Meret ought to treat his backline to a nice dinner because they've earned him back-to-back clean sheets. It was also a match where both teams showcased some of their new summer signings. Giacomo Raspadori stood out the most for Napoli. And as is often the case when we visit the Franchi, there was plenty of off-the-field drama to go along with the -the on-the-field drama. We'll cover all of that in this review, but first, let's take a look at the starting lineups. Vincenzo Italiano made four changes to the squad that he fielded in Fiorentina's second round match against Empoli. He lined up in his usual 4-3-3 formation with Pierluigi Golini in goal. Lucas Martinez Quarta and Nikola Milankovic started at centre-back. Cristiano Biraghi started over Alexa Terzic at left-back and Dodo 
started at right back. Sofian Amrabat started over Rolando Mandragora as the regista with Giacomo Bonaventura to his left and new signing Antonin Barak to his right. Barak, who only joined Fiorentina a few days before the match, started over Yusuf Male, who needed a rest after starting in all four of Fiorentina's matches in the two weeks prior to this one. Italiano didn't have much of a choice but to play Barak as Alfred Duncan wasn't available for this match due to injury. Ricardo Sotil started over Ricardo Saponara on the left wing, Jonathan Icone started again with Nico Gonzalez ruled out for this match as well, and finally Luka Jovic played at striker. For Napoli, Luciano Spalletti lined up with the same starting 11 that he played in the first two rounds of the season, which was no big surprise. He lined up in a 4-3-3 with Alex Meret in goal, Kim Minje and Amir Rachmani played at centre-back, Mario Rui started at left-back and Giovanni Di Lorenzo started at right-back. Stanislav Lobotka played as a regista with Piotr Zelinski to his left and Andrei Frank Zambo and Gisa to his right. Hvice Kvareskhelia started on the left wing, Chuki Lozano started on the right wing, and Viktor Osimen played at striker. So those were the starting lineups, next let's get to the match. I want to start with our front three who failed to score after combining for 5 goals and 3 assists through our first two matches. I think it would be really easy to say that they struggled in this match, but I think their struggles were a symptom of something else because they didn't get a whole lot of service, and the reason they didn't get much service was because of how well Fiorentina pressed for the entire 90 minutes. In fact, both teams pressed and pressed high all match. This was as intense of a nil-nil draw as you're ever going to see. I thought Sofian Amrabat was fantastic in the midfield for Fiorentina. He struggled in his first season with the Viola, but now we're seeing the player that Fiorentina thought they bought from Hellas Verona a few seasons ago. That press made it difficult for Ngisa, Zielinski, and Lobotka to progress the ball from the midfield to the attack, which meant fewer touches for that front three. When your number 9 drops as deep as Osimen was in this game to receive the ball, that's usually an indication that the striker is not getting enough service. Fewer touches for the attackers means fewer chances, and fewer chances means fewer goals, so for me, the struggles in the attack were a direct consequence of Fiorentina's press in the midfield. And then, when we did get the ball to our attacking players, they ran into a Fiorentina backline who I thought played really well. It seems Vincenzo Italiano has figured out how to stop Luciano Spalletti's attack. Last season, Igor dominated Osimen, and in this match, Milenkovic kept him at bay. I also thought Dodo did a fine job of marking Cavada on Napoli's left wing. Other than the cross Cavada played to Lozano early in the second half, we didn't hear his name called all that often. Again, I think that's a direct consequence of how Fiorentina played in the midfield. I don't think Cavada necessarily had a bad game, it's just difficult to make an impact when you hardly get the ball. What made Fiorentina's performance even more impressive was the fact that they had played a Europa Conference League qualifying match only a few days before this match, so they were playing on short rest. We talked about it in our preview with Giancarlo Rinaldi, but with the additions of Golini, Dodo, Mandragora, Barak, and Jovic, Fiorentina added quite a bit of depth to their squad, and I think it showed in this match. Now, I mentioned Cavada's cross to Lozano, so let me quickly touch on that. I have mixed feelings about this. On one hand, like everyone, I could not believe that he missed this chance. You have to at least force the keeper to make a save there, especially in a match like this one where quality opportunities are few and far between. 
On the other hand, I also appreciate that all players miss chances, even seemingly easy ones, so I don't think it would be fair to put this result entirely on Lozano's shoulders. If you're going to say we would have won this match if Lozano scored, then my response would be that Fiorentina would have won this match if Sotil took one of his chances. Now granted, Lozano's chance was easier to convert, which is why our XG was 1.1 and Fiorentina's was 0.4, but Sotil had 4 shots on target, he just kept shooting straight at Meret, who recorded his second consecutive sheet by the way, even if he did spill one shot. For what it's worth, Lozano did make a couple of nice plays in the first half. There was one play where he made a nice drop of the shoulder in the area, but his cross was blocked, and then Zielinski cut the ball back to Osiman, and his shot was blocked. And then a minute later, which was the 19th minute, he played a deep cross to Cavada, but Dodo got there just in time to clear the danger. The other thing, and I often say this when we struggle to score, is you should never put yourself in a position where you need to convert your best chance to win the match. The official match report says we got 10 chances, but other than that Lozano chance, the rest of the chances were half chances at best. The only other quality chance that I can think of was the Rachmani header in the second half, and perhaps a couple of Di Lorenzo half chances. Victor thought he scored late in the second half, unfortunately his goal was cancelled for offside, which was the correct decision. For those of you who are not sure why Victor was offside, let me read the FA's version of what it means to be in an offside position. The Serie A rule is basically the same thing, but in Italian. So it says, A player is in an offside position if any part of the head, body, or feet is in the opponent's half excluding the halfway line, and any part of the head, body, or feet is nearer to the opponent's goal line than both the ball and the second last opponent. So there's two parts there. You can't be offside in your own half, that's not really relevant in this case, and you're offside if you're between the goal line and the second last opponent when the ball is played to you. That's the part that applies here. You'll note that there's no mention of the goalkeeper there. In most cases, the goalkeeper is the last opponent, but on this play, the goalkeeper was the second last opponent and the defender was the last opponent. So when you think of it that way, you quickly realize that Victor was in fact in an offside position. So that was the attack. Let's talk about the defense a little bit. In a way, we did the same thing to Fiorentina that they did to us, so the clubs effectively cancelled each other out. I thought Anguisa was an absolute beast in the midfield. We'll talk about it more in part 3, but I'd be very surprised if he started against the Lecce midweek. I was hoping for Spalletti to replace Anguisa with Ndombele about midway through the second half because I could see that Anguisa was absolutely gassed. Instead, he left Anguisa in and replaced Lobotka, which makes sense for reasons I'll explain in part 3. But credit to Anguisa, he worked hard until the final minute. And just like Fiorentina's backline stepped up when called upon, I thought our backline did the same. As much as I'd like to give Alex Meret credit for the clean sheet, this one really belongs to the Lorenzo, Rachmani, Kim, and Mario Rui. I thought they did a fantastic job of limiting Fiorentina to low probability shots. Like I said, Fiorentina's XG for the game was only 0.4. I was really impressed with Kim's performance, particularly in the first half. I thought he made a number of important interventions. Basically, anytime the ball was played in his direction, he was the first to get to it. He was a little bit overzealous on a couple of occasions in the second half, but he has such blistering pace that he was able to recover and get back into position. 
Finally, I think we do have to acknowledge the help we got from Livio Marinelli in the second half. He really let them play. I thought he missed a number of fouls committed by Napoli players in the final quarter of the match. That said, I agree with Spalletti's suggestion after the match that Marinelli leveled the playing field in the second half because we were on the receiving end of some poor decisions and non-calls in the first half. The next thing I want to quickly comment on is the play of our three new signings, Giovanni Simeone, Tanguy Ndombele, and Giacomo Raspadori, who all featured off the bench in this match. Of the three, Raspadori had the greatest impact. I thought he played with a lot of energy and fire. He was fighting for every ball and very nearly scored the winner. Unfortunately, the fairy tale ending was not meant to be. Simeone and Ndombele had less of an impact, but that's understandable. We've been talking about Simeone and Raspadori for so long that it's easy to forget that these three players have all been with Napoli for less than two weeks. It was clear to me that they're still learning Spalletti's system and they need more time to gel. I think that's partly why Napoli fans were not terribly disappointed with this result. The same result in the second half of the season would be much more disappointing. The last thing I want to talk about is some of the incidents that happened off the field, namely with respect to the Fiorentina supporters. The first is the picture of the little boy named Antonio who was forced to wear his Napoli shirt inside out. His father gave an interview to Serie A News to explain what happened. He said, Antonio arrived at the stadium wearing a Napoli outfit, but at the gates, for the first time, the stewards blocked us. They didn't want him to enter the stands with the blue colors. We watched the warm-up leaning against the railings overlooking the field, but several people started to rant against us. I didn't expect it. It made me nervous and the tones were rising in a worrying way. To avoid problems, we decided to move and the stewards forced Antonio to take off his shirt. We didn't have any others, so he had to wear it backwards. At least it worked. They left us alone. Now what I will say on this, and I appreciate it's a sensitive subject and I may not be the best qualified person to comment on this, but from where I'm standing, I do not view this as an act of racism. I think there are racists and there are downright shitty human beings, and in my opinion, whoever made her do that is in the latter. Now, don't get me wrong, it seems the former were at the stadium as well. Fiorentina were fined 15,000 euros by the league sports judge for its fans making chants that were territorial in nature. So we've played two matches away from home and both sets of fans caused their respective clubs to be fined for territorial discrimination. The final incident involved a fan and Luciano Spalletti after the match. By many accounts, including from Spalletti himself in his post-match conference, select Fiorentina fans were shouting insults to Spalletti throughout the match. The insults started even before the match, and I don't think Spalletti did himself any favors by blowing kisses to the culprits before the match. Spalletti confronted one of these fans after the match and was nearly slapped for doing it. An investigation was opened, and apparently the individual who tried to slap Spalletti was identified. We're still waiting to see what the punishment will be, but that Fiorentina supporter could face potentially a lifetime ban from the Franchi. On Monday, the mayor of Florence, Dario Nardella, commented on the incident. He said, These incidents, which unfortunately occur in all stadiums, must be condemned without hesitation. At the same time, I urge everyone not to generalize. The Purple fans have always stood out for their passion and warmth. I'm not sure people try to slap coaches at every stadium, mind you, coaches don't often approach fans 
who insult them either. So with the draw combined with Inter's loss to Lazio and Roma's draw to Juve, no Serie A club has a perfect record after only three rounds. I thought it was very interesting to see the players' reactions after the match. The Fiorentina players looked like they had just won the match, and the Napoli players looked like they had just lost. I think that speaks volumes about the goals of this club. For anyone who's not sure if these guys really care, go back and look at the players' faces as they greeted the visiting supporters. So we are tied with five other clubs at the top of the table. Milan, Lazio, Atalanta, Torino, and Roma all have seven points. Napoli will be back at home on Wednesday to host Lecce. We'll preview that match in part three. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to part two of the Forza Napoli podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Betstamp. With the Betstamp app, you can compare betting lines across multiple different sportsbooks in your region, which is the only way to get an edge in online sports betting. You can also buy and sell picks from verified accounts, and best of all, the app is free. There are no fees, no royalties, and no commissions. Just download the Betstamp app and be sure to use referral code NAPOLI when you create your account. Alright, next, let's review our second Primavera match of the campaign, which was on Friday against Cesena. Cesena earned promotion to the Primavera Uno after finishing top of the Primavera Due B table last season. They were fairly dominant last season, finishing with a record of 18 wins, 2 draws, and only 4 losses, and yet, they only finished 7 points clear of runners-up Frosinone, who ended up earning promotion in the playoff as well. Cesena opened their season with a 3-0 defeat to Roma, which was actually a respectable result, considering that Roma were arguably the best team in Primavera Uno last season. Though they lost to Inter in the championship playoff, Roma finished top of the Primavera Uno table by a wide margin. Meanwhile, Napoli opened the 2022-23 season with a 2-0 defeat at the hands of Lecce, who are expected to be a direct rival of ours this season. Bilal Sally was already in the squad for this match after joining Napoli from Genoa, but otherwise, we had the same squad that we had for the Lecce match, so with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Nicolo Frustalupi lined up in his usual 3-4-2-1 formation with Valerio Bofelli in goal. Nosa Oberettin, Benedetto Barba, and Daniel Susco started in the back three. That was Susco's first start for Napoli. Francesco Gioielli and Gennaro Iaccherino started in the center of the midfield with Davide Acampa on the left and Matteo Marchisano on the right. Pasquale Maranzino and Alessandro Spavone played as the two trequartisti and Antonio Pesce started at striker. For Cesena, Giovanni Ceccarelli lined up in a 4-3-3 with Lorenzo Polini in goal. Sebastian Elefante and Thomas Lepri started at center back. Antonio David played at left back and Simone Pieraccini played at right back. Fabrizio Lilli started at the Regista with Nicolo Setta to his left and Matteo Francesconi to his right. Eduardo Bernardi started on the left wing, Alessandro Carlini started on the right wing, 
and Nicolo Amadori played at striker. So those are the starting lineups, next let's get to the match. Unfortunately, like the Lecce match, Cesena were in control from start to finish. The key difference was Lecce took their chances, while Cesena did not. Cesena's first real chance came in the ninth minute. The chance came from a really well-worked play starting from a free kick around midfield. Cesena rotated the ball around to the right side where Seta received the pass with his back to goal. He then played a lovely switch with the outside of his right boot to pick out David on the left wing. The defender played a gorgeous in-swinging cross into the area with his left. Seta continued his run and won the header but it finished just narrowly over the bar. Cesena got another chance moments later from a throw-in. David played the throw-in and Bernardi flicked the ball to Franceschini. He went for goal from outside the area, but Bofelli made the save. The shot appeared to be heading wide after taking a slight deflection, so that was actually a heads-up play by Bofelli. Other than a weak effort by Marquisano in the 8th minute, our only chance of the half came in the 12th minute, but we took full advantage of it. Francesconi turned the ball over in the Napoli half. Maranzino collected the loose ball and played a perfectly weighted long ball to Spavone who got behind the Cesena back line. Polini challenged but Spavone calmly dribbled around the keeper before rolling the ball into the empty goal with the outside of his right boot. The balance of the half was all Cesena. They won a corner in the 17th minute. Actually Spavone did really well to track back and block the cross to force that corner kick. Cesena took the corner short before playing a deep cross to the second post. Bieracini was left alone for the header, but it finished on the roof of the goal. On the ensuing goal kick, Napoli tried to play out of the back, but Barba's pass for Marquisano was intercepted, and Cesena immediately countered through Bernardi. He cut in from the left wing, but Barba got a touch on the shot to force another corner kick. Napoli cleared the initial cross, but only to set that at the edge of the area. He played a dangerous in-swinging cross towards Lepri, who was left unmarked at the second post, but the big center back was not able to hit the target. Moments later, Cesena got their best chance of the half. David played a long throw-in from the left side into the area. Amadori flicked the ball onto Bernardi, who smashed a nice clean volley on target, but Bofelli was positioned to make the save. Bernardi got a second chance on the rebound and Bofelli stopped that as well, but had he scored the goal probably wouldn't have counted as Bernardi handled the ball, trying to control the rebound. Cesena continued to push and won their fourth corner kick about midway through the first half. Carlini played a deep in-swinging cross but Bofelli got an important hand on the ball with Lepri lurking. Bofelli was less convincing on the next corner kick but he did do enough to disrupt Lepri who saw the ball late and missed the target. Amadori got Cesena's next chance after a couple of speculative efforts from Lepri and Pieraccini. Amadori did really well to create this chance. First he won the 50-50 ball against Acampa, then he shielded the ball from Oberettin before turning into the area. Finally Amadori put the shot on target but once again Bofelli was well positioned, this time at the near post, to make the save. Neither side created a whole lot for the next 10 minutes or so. Bernardi had the final chance of the half with a few minutes left to play, but his shot hit the outside of the goal. The second half was much more of the same with Cesena dominating possession and controlling the run of play, while Napoli were limited to very few opportunities to score. It didn't take long for Cesena to get their first quality opportunity of the half. In the 52nd minute, Lili crossed the ball into the area. Amadori won the header around the penalty spot, but the shot just missed the top corner of the goal. 
Napoli's only chance came in the 68th minute. Marquisano played a long ball forward to Pesce. He flicked the ball past Lepri and would have been clear on goal, but Polini came well off his line to clear the danger. Cesena didn't create a ton of chances in the second half, but they did continue to apply the pressure. They won a lot of corner kicks. They were up to about 10 by the midway point of the second half. Meanwhile, Napoli were barely hanging on. It got to the point where we were simply launching the ball forward just to relieve the pressure. So it wasn't terribly shocking when Cesena eventually found the equalizer in the 78th minute. The goal started with a Cesena throw-in on the right side. Substitute Sergio Sartini played a long throw into Amadori in the area, which is clearly something they've worked on in training. He received the ball with his back to goal, twisted and turned between four or five blue shirts around him, and then curled a gorgeous shot with his left foot around Bofelli and into the top corner. That made the score 1-1, and the way both sides were playing, it seemed like we were heading for a draw, but in the final minute of normal time, Napoli were awarded a penalty kick. Marquisano carried the ball down the left wing before trying to pick out substitute Bilal Sali in the area. Cesena substitute Filippo Ferretti intercepted the pass but played the ball right back to Marquisano, almost as if he was playing a give and go. Marquisano got a touch on the ball just before Elefantis stepped into him. I'll be honest, I don't think there was a whole lot of contact there. Certainly if the roles were reversed, I would have felt very hard done by. I wonder if the decision was partly influenced by the shouts for a free kick moments before the penalty was given. Another Napoli substitute, Lorenzo Russo, played a long ball for it to Sally, and Polini came off his line to collect the ball at the edge of the area. The Napoli fans in attendance thought he was outside the area, but it looked to me like he stayed in the box. In any event, Iaccherino stepped up and sent Polini the other way to put Napoli ahead with 5 minutes of stoppage time left to play. Cesena were not able to take advantage, so the Azzurini picked up their first 3 points of the 2022-23 campaign. Now, despite the win, I must say I am very concerned about this season. I know we're only 2 matches in, but we've now been dominated in each of our first 2 matches, and it's not like we're playing against top clubs. Lecce were nearly in the relegation zone last season, they only missed it because they had a better goal differential than we did, and as I mentioned at the top of the segment, Cesena just earned promotion to Primavera Uno last season. I think we've done a decent job replacing most of our players from last season, but not all of them. Bofelli seems like a decent replacement for Huberti Dasek in goal, and Oberettin is a suitable replacement for Davide Costanzo at centre-back. I think Marquisano will do a good job covering for Giuseppe D'Agostino at right wing back. He's been one of our better players through the first two matches. Likewise, Spavone has played well covering for Antonio Cioffi, but the three players who I don't think we've replaced well are Colisacco, Antonio Vergara, and Giuseppe Ambrosino, who were probably our three best players last season. I like Gioielli, but he is not the same big presence that Sacco was in the midfield in terms of both size and strength. Maranzino played really well in this match, particularly on the ball he played on the Spavone goal, but he has some massive shoes to fill for Vergara, and from what I've seen so far, Pesce has a long way to go to become a striker like Ambrosino and may never get there. So hopefully Frustalupi figures it out. At the moment, I'm not terribly confident that he will. What I will say, though, is picking up three points against a direct rival is really, really important for us. That will do for part two. In part three, we'll return to the senior team and preview our match on Wednesday 
against Lecce. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to part three of the Forza Napoli podcast. If you like the show, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash pod. It's entirely voluntary. There are no set tiers but it does allow us to continue to produce content, whether it's on the podcast or at fortsanaplipress.com. Let's close the pod with a preview of our first midweek fixture, which is against Lecce on Wednesday. Lecce come into this match having just picked up their first point of the season, but don't be fooled, Lecce have proven to be a difficult opponent in their return to Serie A. They opened the season with a tough match against Serie A runners-up Inter, But after conceding in the second minute, Lecce did not roll over. They equalized early in the second half, but conceded in the 95th minute to lose the match 2-1. Then, their second match was against Sassuolo, who may have weakened between injuries and the departure of Giacomo Raspadori, but they did bring in Andrea Pinamonti, and so they're still a tough opponent, particularly for a newly promoted club. Now, I didn't see that match, but Sassuolo needed a wonder strike from Domenico Berardi, to win that one 1-0. Lecce bounced back from those two defeats to draw Empoli 1-1 on Sunday, and they probably felt like they deserved more. Empoli opened the scoring after Fabiano Parisi's shot took a fortuitous deflection off of Federico Baschirotto before finding the back of the goal. Gabriel Strefezza, who was Lecce's most dangerous player on the night, equalized with a goal of the week candidate five minutes before the break. Lecce were the better side in the second half, but Lamig Banda was denied by a top-class save by Guglielmo Vicario, while Asan Cisse had a goal denied for offside. So Lecce have collected their first point of the 2022-23 campaign. Meanwhile, as we discussed in Part 1, Napoli dropped their first points of the season. This is a tricky fixture though, as much as we need to focus on the task at hand, we have a big match on Saturday against Lazio. I'm sure Luciano Spalletti is well aware of that and planning accordingly. In fact, for that reason, I'm expecting quite a bit of rotation to the squad for this match. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. For Napoli, I think Spalletti is going to switch from the 4-3-3 to the 4-2-3-1 based on the players that I think he is going to field. I think Alex Meret will be back in goal. At center back, I think we're going to see Juan Jesus starting over Kim Min-Jae. I'm sure Kim is fit enough to play, but with Lazio coming up and Liverpool only a few days after that in the Champions League, I think this is an opportunity for Spalletti to give some players a rest. We know Jesus and Rachmani are comfortable playing together from last season when Koulibaly was away at the Africa Cup of Nations, so I have Jesus and Rachmani playing at center back. For the same reason, I think Matthias Oliveira will get his first start over Mario Rui at left back. Giovanni Di Lorenzo is a machine, so I think he will start again at right back. I mentioned the midfield in part one. I think Spalletti gave us a hint as to who his front six will be with the substitutions he made in the Fiorentina match. 
Stanislav Lobotka played 78 minutes while Angisa played the full 90 and it was a very intense match so I think we'll see Lobotka start in the double pivot but not Angisa. With Diego Deme hurt, I think Lobotka is going to play a lot of minutes, which is a little bit concerning. I hope Spalletti manages that situation because an injury to Lobotka would be pretty devastating. So, I think we'll see Lobotka and Tangi Ndombele start in the double pivot. Now, I've seen some people say that Ndombele is too attack-minded to play in that role. But if we were willing to play Fabian Ruiz in that role, I don't see why we would not be willing to play Ndombele in the same role, especially against a club like Lecce. Now, the reason I think Spalletti will use the 4-2-3-1 in the first place is because I think Giacomo Raspadori will be in the starting lineup. As I said in part 1, I thought he was the most impressive of the new signings in the Fiorentina match, and if he does start... I think the most suitable position for him is in the number 10, which is where he played when he came off the bench against Fiorentina. That means Piotr Zielinski will likely be relegated to the bench. As far as the front three goes, I'm only expecting one change, which is for Matteo Politano to start on the right wing over Chucky Lozano. Cavada played only an hour against Fiorentina, so he should be fit enough for this match. Osimen played 78 minutes, but I don't think Simeone is quite ready to start for us. I think he's more likely to start against Spezia, which is the match immediately following Liverpool. Now I'm sure Lozano is fit enough to play as well, but like with Rachmani and Mario Rui, this is another example where we have a quality player that we can use, so we might as well use him and allow some other players to rest. So again, I have a front three of Politano, Osimen, and Quaresgelia. For Lecce, we'll probably see some rotation as well, but I simply don't know this Lecce team well enough, so my best guess is a squad that's pretty similar to the one that started against Empoli. Lecce's coach is Marco Baroni. He actually played two seasons for Napoli, including the season that we won our second Scudetto. Baroni typically lines up in a 4-3-3 with Vladimiro Falcone in goal. With Mertzettin and Castro Dermacu both injured, I think we'll see Federico Basquirotto and Alexis Blin at center back. Now, Lecce did just sign Samuel Umtiti from Barcelona, which was one of the most bizarre transfers of the summer. He's only been with Lecce for about a week or so, but given the injury situation at center back, we might just see Umtiti start this one. Antonio Gallo is the usual starter at left back and Valentin Gandry is the usual starter at right back. We should see Lecce's captain Morten Hillmond in the Regista with Johan Gonzalez to his left and Christian Bistrovic to his right. And up top, we should see Lamek Banda on the left wing, Gabriel Strafetza on the right wing, and Asan Cisse at striker. So those are our starting lineups, next let's get to our three keys to the match. My first key to the match is that we cannot underestimate the strength of Lecce's attack. Banda is very quick on the left, Strefeza has an excellent finish on the right. We saw both of their qualities on the goal that Lecce scored against Empoli. Banda burst down the left wing, picked out Strefeza at the edge of the area, and he scored one of the goals of the week, picking the top corner. In a way, Cisse is a combination of both of those players. He has both pace and the ability to finish. Now, we'll have to see if both Banda and Strefeza start. 
Both were removed from the Empoli match with injuries, but I don't believe either of their injuries were serious. Strafezza was holding his right foot and Banda appeared to cramp up, but I wouldn't be surprised if Federico Di Francesco started over either of those players, not only because of the injury concerns, but also because Di Francesco has plenty of Serie A experience. This is his sixth season in the Italian top flight, and it is his fifth different club after playing for Bologna, Sassuolo, Spal, and Empoli. My second key to the match is we need to score early and often. Even though I'm expecting Spalletti to rotate quite a bit for this match, we'll still have a number of players who have clocked heavy minutes during the early stages of the campaign. If Napoli are able to establish an early lead, then Spalletti can rest even more of his regular starters. A two-goal lead is probably not safe enough as we learned against Empoli last season, but if we're able to establish a three-goal lead, then we can rest guys like Rachmani, Di Lorenzo, Lobotka, Cavada, and Osimen. That will not only put us in a better position to get a result against Lazio, but it will also help us to avoid injuries, which has been a problem over the past few seasons. My final key to the match is we need to feed Victor in the area. We all know how good he is in the air. With Lecce's injuries at center back, I think we could have a bit of a mismatch in our favor there. Basquiroto is naturally a right back, while Blin is naturally a holding midfielder. Both are pretty close in height to Victor, but if they are playing out of position, I like Victor's chances of winning the ball in the air. Even if Umtiti starts, I still like Victor's chances. Umtiti has only been with Lecce for about a week. He's four inches shorter than Victor, and most importantly, he played a total of 90 minutes last season. I hope things work out for Umtiti at Lecce, but there's just no way that he can be fully fit. For my prediction, I'm going to give Napoli a 4-0 win on goals from Osimen, Cavara, and Raspadori. I have Osimen scoring two, and the other scoring one each. I think Napoli will be eager to get back into the win column and to score bundles of goals. I'm a little bit concerned about playing under the pressure of knowing that Roma and Inter won their respective matches on Tuesday, which means a win would only keep us tied at the top of the table. We already know that Milan dropped points to Sassuolo, so if we win, the worst case scenario would be a four-way tie at the top, and that's because Torino and Atalanta play each other, and the best case scenario would be a tie with Roma at the top, which would be the case if Lazio suffers an upset at the hands of Sampdoria and if Torino and Atalanta draw. Using my Betstamp app, I can find the best odds in my region. You're not going to get much value on the money line with Napoli being heavy favorites. The total is 3.25, which is a tough play as well, but does offer a decent even money return at Bet365. You could get a decent return on Napoli minus two goals, meaning they'd have to win by three or more. That pays plus 123 at CoolBet. Or if you want to be slightly more conservative, Pinnacle has a prop for Napoli to score more than two and a half goals. The over on that is minus 103. So that will do for this preview. I hope you enjoy the match. That will also do for this episode. If you like what you heard, please share it with a friend and leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5. And you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon at Pod. I will be back later in the week to review this match and to preview our next one, which is on Saturday against Lazio. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre.
Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.